Hey, Minus 3 is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. It's got great odds and markets for the NBA, the NHL, and so much more with Masters Week upon us. Awesome new and existing user promos. It's America's number one sportsbook, don't you know? Because... It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours, kind of fast. And, of course, we love the same game parlay. You combine multiple bets from the same game, and you can discover the most popular same game parlays each day right when you log in. There's some juicy ones out there in the world of puck for you tonight. If you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code, though minus three it's the word minus the number three so that you know so that they know your pals me and spaghetti and kevin hench and the rest of the gang sent you and now let's start minus three when will you decide um, whether for sure you're you're playing and what will determine that well as of right now i feel like i am going to play as of right now minus three with Dave Damashek. Yes, the golf world over has gotten its wish. It sounds like Tiger Woods is going to play. Well, it doesn't sound that way. Tiger sounds that way. You just heard him say that he thinks he's going to play. Hi and hello and welcome to Minus 3, everybody. Hope all's well wherever you are. Coming off a great Monday night national championship game. Kansas cuts down the nets. USC got close. An all-time rally by the Jayhawks, celebration, champagne everywhere, prayers up to Bill Self's toupee. That's, a, that's all I could think about was when you see the champagne and everybody's jumping up and down on each other. I think like he all he can be thinking about is like, uh-oh, please, please, nobody touch me on the head. And then when he went into the locker room to celebrate, he did put a ball cap on to, to prevent the champagne from knocking it down. Either way, muzzle tub to KU, Jayhawks Nation on the win. And you know what? Muzzle tub as well to the UNC Tar Heels and their fans. They got what they went there for, a victory over Duke on Saturday. The rest was gravy, although they do have to feel a little bit sad about blowing a 15-point lead like they had there. Also, a lot of wagerers a little sad because you figured with a three-point lead and just a handful of seconds left on the clock, you thought an inbounds pass to KU would lead to free throws. And if both of those were successfully completed, the Jayhawks wouldn't just win the game. They would cover the four points or four and a half, depending where you got it. Instead, the receiver of the ball stepped out of bounds and it finished there at three. So sad times for those people. Anyway, Eddie Spaghetti, how are you? We got a good show lined up for you today. We had a good show on extra points yesterday on Monday. Go back and dig it up. Our old pal, the Dutch Mook, Paul Cohorse, golf expert, provided us with best bets for the Masters weekend there, um, including bet an ace. I think that's a fun bet to make. Four days of opportunity to see the best in the world try and drop one in the hole, 16 or otherwise. That's a fun bet, and he gave you some uh, some names that you should wager on. Again, do it at FanDuel.com. Slash minus three, and coming up in just a second here, we've got Aaron Nagler from Cheesehead TV. He is the best resource for Packers, nay, for NFC North Talk, and we're going to get to kibitz with him about the melodrama of Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, and if there are any challengers for the Packers in the division 
or for that matter, in the entire conference, which has gone pretty light now that most of the superstars, it feels like, have shifted over to the AFC side. Eddie Spaghetti, how you doing? I'm doing good. I mean, I'm not the biggest college basketball fan, but I have to say this tournament uh, has been pretty exciting. Obviously, North Carolina played a lot of very good games, and this uh, championship, you know, down 16 points in the first half uh, for Kansas to win, I think, is the most points in a comeback ever, 15 at halftime, which is the fourth most ever. Um, it's you know, obviously they're a one seed Kansas and an eight seed UNC, but having a game that close and uh, I know our pal Tate Frazier is probably not too happy with it, but really, really awesome game there. And, um, you know, with the masses with Tiger saying he's going to come back, uh, obviously every golf fan is now quite excited because for some reason, even though there are a lot of good golfers in the world, Tiger is the one that still is the draw. So, uh, I mean, he says that he it could win it. Freddie Couple said that he looked awesome or phenomenal rather in the practice round. So if you want to be smart and go to uh, fanduelcom slash minus three and put some shekels on, on Tiger, I don't think that's a, a terrible bet. So a lot of, uh, fun, yeah, fun like our pal, the Mook pointed for, uh, out, you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. It's fun to root for. If Tiger makes the cut, don't you want to have a little something on it? You don't want to be rooting against that. You want to see a little bit of history. That's what's fun about watching sports. The best doing it on the big stage. And KU did do it. They're the one one seed that was able to even get to the final four. Caleb Love could not buy a bucket. I can't believe that Ochai Agbaji got the most outstanding player award given his performance on Monday night, his inability. I really thought as they started the rally right out of the gate in the second half, I really thought, oh, here they come. All right, they're going to get back. But his specifically his inability to make free throws, I thought this is going to kill the rally here. And they overcame that. It really was more about Remy Martin making big, uh, big uh, threes for them consistently. Did he miss a shot in the second half? I don't know if he did. And then McCormick, to me, really should have been the most outstanding player as Cousin Sal wagered on. I don't know Agreed. what the math is on going away from him when Agbaji. I mean, did he make? I, I mean, he made that one, uh, you know, a traditional three-point play in the game, but. You know, outside of that, I mean, I felt like McCormick was a much bigger factor, but uh, totally agree with that. He was a dominant force, especially later in the game. And Remy Martin, who has had an interesting career, I mean, great player in the Pac 12, obviously transfers over here, uh, gets injured, kind of riding the bench, and he had a lot of clutch shots. And I don't want to pile on a, a young kid in, in, in love on North Carolina, but really, and Hench is talking about this with us in text, but one of, mm-hmm. one of the most miserable performances uh, from a player with this amount of turnovers and missed shots. And he was a guy that was money for them getting into this point, but a little disappointing there if uh, you're a UNC fan. But again, how I'm not sure how you could uh, upset you could be as a UNC fan. And this was uh, right. a memorable, a memorable finals. You know, I, you can go look back at the recent member, uh, recent victories. Like I, no one's going to really remember the Baylor team. No one's going to really remember even like that UVA team that was like all about defense, but this was a, a good matchup. It was a fun tournament and uh, a great championship game. I listen one when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. And I was, again, my, my annual lament, is embarrassing right now because this tournament was dandy and I usually complain that it doesn't necessarily provide you with a meritocracy, the best team winning. I feel like, you know, pretty good case can be made that KU was the best team, but it was so entertaining along the way. It hardly matters, but the feast and famine for Caleb Love from Saturday night to Monday night, you rarely see. Usually it feels like the guy has a hot hand and that's the narrative that comes out like that kid right there. I thought it was going to be Bancaro or at least he had a shot at being that guy. I still say, and I say go to FanDuel 
to to uh, support this, I still say Bancaro's got to be the first overall pick. He's just a, the body type at that age is hard to turn your nose up at. I just chat or otherwise, I don't know exactly what you're looking at. If it, Bancaro just seems NBA ready, plug him in day one, and he is he is um, it, it body type is mature enough to compete and be a rotation guy from, from day one in the NBA. I think I, I'll be surprised if he, I, now I understand how the draft lottery goes. And if you don't have a, a need there, if you're desperate for a point guard, maybe you go somewhere else there, but I got to think Bancaro's the, the first overall. Per ESPN, they have him uh, in their newest mock that came out today. They have him going first and they do have uh, Chet Holmer well, they going do. second. So I think you're spot on there. Oh, good. All right. Like I say, go back and listen to Extra Points with uh, Paul Kohorst for all the best bets in the Masters. Um, and make sure you go to extrapoints.com and find the arcade to play along with us and against us. A lot of fun games there and prizes for you to win. And upcoming, Eddie Spaghetti and I, after we talk a little pro football here in front of the draft and kind of not post-free agency, but now that it's mostly settled down with Nagler, um, we'll give you a couple hockey bets here. Also, I'm going to skip it. I'll wait maybe to tell it with Hedge, but I had a run-in with a foot, Eddie Spaghetti. You know I don't like bare feet on men. And I, I had a run-in in my home with someone's bare foot. And it really... It upset me, and I'm still shaken by it, and I'm ready to talk about it, and I want to air it with you and with Hench and with the audience. But right now, let's turn it over for some hot football talk, shall we? Ooh, but I did mention it. Golf's first major is a tradition unlike any other, as they say. And by the way, anybody having a better week ever than Jim Nance going from New Orleans? Not just calling the the Final Four. He gets to be in New Orleans for like four days. Now he goes to Augusta for, for the next week. What a life. By the way, shout out to Bill Raftery, too. He's the best in the business. We, we need to appreciate him a little bit more while he's still on the uh, calling the big games. Anywho. I get distracted. Golf's first major. Jim Nance is there. Um, I don't know if Bill Raftery is. You know, he's free to go about the world. Um, new customers can get 30 to 1 odds on twenty to 50, on 2015 champ Jordan Spieth, four-time major winner Rory McIlroy, or 2020 champ Dustin Johnson to make the cut at Augusta. All you have to do is bet these guys, these high-end golfers, to make the cut where they've already succeeded, Augusta National. That's right. If any of those players make the cut, you win big. I love a lot of names on the board there. John Rahm is a fun one to go after, and there's no better time to get in on the action with FanDuel Sportsbook. The app, like I've told you already, is easy to use. There's so many different betting options. And when you win, you get paid fast. So drive down Magnolia Lane and take a swing at betting the first major. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get 30 to 1 odds on Spieth, McElroy, or Dustin Johnson to just make the cut. FanDuel Sportsbook, official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Let's sneak in a quick break. Okay, here he is, everybody. He is uh, the co-founder of Cheesehead TV, the go-to source for all things Green Bay Packers. He is a man who I admire most because he does Twitter Q&As from a bar stool in New York City, and he'll do it in Wisconsin or wherever else. It's our pal, Aaron Nagler. What's happening, fella? Not much. How are you, sir? Thanks so much for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Um, you know, just before we got going here, 
I just let you know, we're going to have to talk about Aaron Rodgers because I don't, man, that guy over the last year, year and a half, he's been up to some weird stuff. Like about a year ago, right now, he right. went on spring well, break in ago. Hawaii. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and that and was kind of for a while, <laughs> emotionally and Lord. spiritually, at least. I think wasn't um, it this time last year he was doing Jeopardy. I think that's the kind of the the trajectory, right? Like there we were talking about Jeopardy, and then it was Hawaii, and then it was I'm never playing for the Packers again. Wait, what? That's great. It, there is something, and I do want to get into that with with Rogers, and I, I don't mean to conflate the two human beings because they played yeah. the same position, but right. Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers in very different ways have kind of emerged, and I feel like. There's an element of betrayal in our reaction to Aaron Rodgers' behavior this deep into his career that we're kind of like, wait, whoa, whoa, this isn't who we thought he was. He was, and right. that is that is that fair that that's why people have reacted the way they have to, to say, people like me, by the way, who's like, I, right. uh, man, I thought he was a cool, had a wry sense of humor. Okay, he's not a Type A personality like you know, uh, Brady or Peyton and railway yelling at teammates and all that kind of stuff. But then all of a sudden he emerged as like, Oh wait, he's a cuckoo bird. (laughs) Okay. I mean, that's how I, I, you know, he's allowed to say a little bit. I am willing to admit that I, you know, I, I think that he's uh, first amendment rights are absolute. I think he's allowed to say whatever he wants to say, but I am allowed to respond with hundred percent behavior. This is the thing. And this is what I, I keep coming up against um, talking about it with whoever, like people in the media guys in, in like on the team, uh, my family, people on the, in the public, whatever I've always said, and this is you, this is lock solid, rock solid going back to the start of cheese TV. I don't care what the guy does off the field. I don't care what he says off the field. I don't care what he represents off the field. I mean, that's his life, right? Do I agree with all of it? Nope. But it's who he is, and those are the choices he makes, and that's fine. I haven't cared about who he's dated. I haven't cared about his uh, stance on vaccinations. I haven't cared about anything other than the fact that he plays quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Now, I understand he's a very public figure, a very famous man, and every utterance is going to get dissected, and we're going to blow it up into narratives and what have you, and that's what happens, and I get it. But, man, all I care about is his legacy as a quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. And look, I've had some practice here in the sense of growing up, idolizing and worshiping Brett Favre. And then, you know, later on in post Packers life going, oh, maybe, maybe not so great. Maybe not so godlike, maybe flawed and not the person I thought he was. And that has probably kind of toughened my skin, so to speak, when it comes to I don't care. I don't care what's going on off the field. All I care about is what he does when he's wearing that G now, again, I understand people are always going to talk about it. People are always going to be kind of coming after him, so to speak. And they have every right to, as you just said, but to me, he's a quarterback of the green Bay Packers and that's what matters. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've debated it a lot because this last year, the farewell tour, it wasn't really a farewell tour nope. to uh, the quarterback of my, it was for Devante, but not for Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true enough. Well, no, I'm talking about the black and gold team, not the green and gold. Team oh, boy, yours, your, your my well, my guy going yeah. on. I had to field a lot of questions on that. And I have I don't know if it's a rationalization or otherwise, but I feel like 
I've convinced myself, first of all, I'm more invested in this franchise and this team and this brand than any one player who passes through, whether it's for a season or for 18 seasons. So I am in the right to say I'm more interested in the brand. He is a character in my movie, and therefore I don't need to look at that, Speaking that, of movies, there's uh, this is what I always come back to. This is what kind of what I always how I've kind of seen it now in my head. Exactly kind of the way you're talking about in the sense. Do you remember the in the movie Casino when Ace Rothstein goes out there and he's pumping, you know, the, brings the casinos online, is making all this money, blah 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 blah, and then he makes his fatal mistake where he fires the commissioner's nephew or whatever, and mm-hmm. the guy asks for the meeting and he says, "I'm sorry, I can't bring him back. No way, no how." And that's when everything turns, right? And there's a great line where what he calls, you know, the kicker, he, he says, y'all, you, you guys, your type will never understand. You're all just passing through. And that's how I feel about everybody who works for the Packers, whether they're a player, Mark Murphy, the CEO. I enjoy what they do. I love the team. I'm a big fan. But I'm going to be here long after they're gone. I want them to be 89 in the nursing home cheering on the Packers. These people are going to be retired in other jobs or whatever. The Packers are still going to be standing and I'm going to be That's cheering right. for them. I so say it all the whoever time. you when are in this come moment, at me, you know, you're, you're right. not the franchise. Yeah. Well, that's what I say all the time about the we and us when people get on me. You, you, we, right. the Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I, I care more I, than the 23 year old guy who got drafted uh, uh, right. 14 months ago. But trust me, I'm more emotionally invested in what happens with this team than that guy is. What he does impacts him individually. And so there's 100%. a buy in with the overall team. But obviously, right. I care. I'm living and dying more with the wins and losses than players. And that's hard no for people to reconcile. Now, reconcile this for him. This is a point that I've been making for five, six years now, and it's only gotten worse from the Packers' uh, faithful point of view. And I'm sure you've had to address this before. Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, two of, with with the exception possibly, of the transition year, and Rodgers put up big numbers, but he probably was a tick down from where Favre had had right. left the Packers, and you know, as Rodgers ramped up to his Hall of Fame career, mm-hmm. never have the Green Bay Packers in thirty years had worse than the third best quarterback in the league, second best quarterback in the league, and I'll yet, there, same, yeah. okay, same number of Lombardis as Trent Dilfer and Joe Flacco gave to Charm City. How do you how do you make sense of that if you're a Packers fan? Well, it's I think this is really generational and I do understand that perception from the outside and I get it, man. It's and not a perception, people, that's fact, man. Well, no, no, I get it. But like, okay, so the idea being that they wasted their prime quarterback play, right? That's the intimation here. And I get that. Again, I understand it. But look, and I this is why I say it's kind of generational for me and this is where I come to it but i understand there's a whole new generation that has known nothing but these two guys so to their you know kind of viewpoint or perspective it is like oh my god we've wasted all this time look i was there when the packers won in 96 i was there when the packers won in 2010 and those two days are two of the greatest days of my life outside of my children being born that i you know will cherish forever and hold on to in in like forever prior to those Two days in my life growing up with the Packers in the 70s and 80s, I thought they were going to fold. I thought they were going to be dissolved. I thought they were going to be either maybe moved to Milwaukee or absolutely just kind of disbanded as a franchise. People 
now in this internet age, very, very much have kind of lost sight of where the Packers were. So yeah. look, I have, I make no bones about the fact that I'm a Homer. I get it. I have enjoyed so many years of so many great teams that have won a ton of games, but because of that, they have been placed on this pedestal and then been basically put themselves in a position where they've broken my heart so many times. But I tell you what, it makes the memory of those two Super Bowl victories all the sweeter. And I have I make no bones about it. You call me a homer, call me a revisionist history, whatever, whatever moniker you want to throw my way. I am totally fine because I remember Homer stuff. when I was I there with my grandpa watching the Packers suck for a decade plus before. And then he passed away. And then I watched him by myself for another decade sucking like, man, I, these two Super Bowl victories. I've got those memories for the rest of my life. Brett gave us one. Aaron gave us one. I am great. I am fine. Now, you're going to get plenty of people completely agreeing with you oh they've wasted all this time you know what while these other fan bases have been sitting there hoping for a playoff win or hoping for a playoff appearance i've been sitting there knowing we're gonna make a run every single year in contention every single year and yeah i've had my heart stomped a bunch but man the fact that we've enjoyed that status for decades please I, there's no way there's you can't you cannot convince me that we uh, haven't had a phenomenal run only two Super Bowls? Get out of here with that nonsense. They were two of the greatest oh, days of my life. I Listen, I hear There's you. There's nothing I'm not necessarily, to regret. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but to the eye, it does, or it hits the ear that. weird. And I get Third, that. I you get know, it. Flacco, Dilfer, and also, that when you. Come on. And you know Brady's kind of like completely skewed sure. the entire perception here. I mean, yes, Flacco, Dilfer, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But they, you know, they weren't with the same franchise. It wasn't like there was a team thread here. You know, you can point disparate like Brad Johnson has a Super Bowl. Great. Awesome. You know, like, this I don't nice. care about See? that. That means nothing to do. It has nothing to do with the Packers. What it has, what what I always say, and maybe it's a rationalization is they only give out the one Lombardi every year. And this gets in the way with the glib sort of take that everybody provides when a guy gets drafted. Andrew Luck gets drafted. Trevor Lawrence gets drafted. This, this young man, Joe Burrow right. loses. Nothing to hang his head about. Uh, as he walks off the Super Bowl field, there are many, uh, there, there are more Lombardis in this kid's future. Like, yeah, are yeah, there? more appearances. I mean, that's what Brett thought when he, uh, when he lost that second one. You know, walking off. I mean, I think he literally said it in the post game press conference. You know, this is well, this won't be my last time at this game or something like that. And it was. So yeah, I don't think there's any, nothing's guaranteed. But I Super think the Bengals are a perfect example of like, especially in this day and age with the parody the way it is. I mean, you get the right streak going to get hot, not even hot at the right mm -hmm. time. You just meet the right opponents and play your best football. I mean, you can make a run. Boy, that that is a, an interesting inflection point in Super Bowl era history is the Packers, as good as they were that year, trying to go back to back, playing that Broncos team. The yep. thing that's the weirdest about Super Bowl 32 to me, the two key figures, Favre and Terrell Davis, both had braces. They're both they're both all pros like too late, man. You can't get the braces one once you're a superstar. Now the the ship has sailed, man. The photos have been taken, man. Yeah, exactly. I asked Terrell Davis about that. I'm like, what the hell, man? He's like, I wanted my teeth to look nice. I'm like, well, you should have dealt with that before the Super Bowl or at least remove them for the fortnight. You know, put them back on. Somebody could do that. Amazing. Weird, weird move to get braces. Maybe the the mouth guard was already formed around the braces. So there was no time. 
There you go. Could be. I'll, Could I'll be. go with that. Um, quick question for you. It's the question of the week here. Yeah. Um, would you rather win a green jacket or a gold jacket? Oh, it's a gold jacket. That's not even close. Come on now. Why, I mean, how? Why? Why so? I just you're immortalizing the greatest sport of all time. Where the, the green jacket, you're like a dude outside swinging a stick. I don't know, man. I got I got nothing for you when it comes to golf. Nothing. Okay. Zero. The only well, see if you don't play golf, but Will Brinson, our mutual pal, made a great Love Will. point. Made a great point about it. He said you get to play at Augusta for the rest of your life whenever you want. What do you get for getting a gold jacket? Trips to Canton in Labor Day. That's and hang out hard. with your boys every year. Yeah, hell yeah, it's true. Yeah, sounds I guess see, that sounds if you're great a Packers guy or a Steelers guy, that's not well, where we have cool. lots of representation. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be phenomenal. But if you're Four Will Brinson and you're the fan of whatever, what whatever fly by night team he's a fan of these days i mean what a a, a sad thing it is i i always uh because i'm an empath i feel bad for (laughs) for browns fans that they're right there they're right on the border they could have landed on the other side and uh, a known pigskin glory for for decades on end and instead they're cleveland browns fans and they're about an hour away from Canton, where all the steelers where all the steelers are man that's (laughs) rough that is rough Yeah, it's not nice for for them, but, you know, like I say, my heart goes out to them. Okay, so the Aaron Rodgers thing is, you know, ostensibly resolved now, but did he have an inkling, at least, while the new contract was being put together and everything over these last several weeks? Did he have an inkling? Did the Packers know that Devontae Adams had a foot out the door? When did that all go down? And is Rodgers sitting there right now saying like, what the hell, Devontae? I thought we we agreed. We were both coming back. No, I th- he absolutely knew. Um, both oh, he did. Uh, Brian and Devontae have talked about uh, the timeline. I think Aaron mentioned it on his, uh, really briefly, he had an appearance with the Zenith Watchmaker people because he's doing, he's a brand ambassador for them. And he did mm-hmm. an Insta Live with the CEO. But yeah, no, uh, Aaron was definitely in the loop. Definitely knew what was going on. Signed that deal knowing Devontae was most likely gone. And look, hmm. it was driven by Devontae. That's the thing. That's it's so weird to see how this gets framed around the national media. Like, you know, the Packers made this decision. It was like, no, Devontae made the decision. Like, he was never going to play on the tag. And this has been – this. it's so funny to go back and look at it now because when those two, Aaron and Devontae, posted the last dance thing on Instagram and everybody went nuts and everybody always assumed it was about Aaron. But it was about Devontae coming off of his breaking off the contract talks with the Packers, who would just never get to the numbers as far as guarantees go that Devontae and his team wanted. I'm pretty sure Devontae just spent the rest of the year going, okay, that's fine with me. I'm not going to talk contract. I'm just going to ball out on the field. And hey, props to Devontae because look, one twist of the ankle, one bad injury, and all that earning power is out the window. But he made it through the entire season. You know, obviously missed a game or two, but made it put up monster numbers. And I think the entire time he was like, yep, here we go. I'm in the driver's seat now. And when it got to the off season, the Packers were in such rough shape with the cap, especially having to hold him at 20 plus million with that franchise tag. He had all the leverage. And so, you know, I know the reports came out, oh, the Packers were willing to pay him, etc., more than the Raiders were, but we still haven't seen a true breakdown of the guarantees. And I do suspect that the Raiders went places. The Packers wouldn't when it came to, how much was guaranteed for how many years? And Devontae wanted to go play with his buddy, be closer to home. I think that's right. I and think the Packers exactly. did right by him by making that happen, and they got two premium picks for it. So I think it's a, it's a, it's certainly a win-win for the most part. But 
they are certainly going to miss Devonte, and they got to hit on those picks. Well, you know, I, that's right. I think first of all, the it, relationship business, like all businesses are, and and Devonte Adams and his pal Derek Carr from back in the Fresno days, that did mean something. And uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Adams was kind of looking to make that move a couple few years ago. Um, to to it's team possible. Up with. I think you know the Packers did right by him that last contract, so. You know, I don't think it was ever as realistic as it was this offseason. But your point is correct. The fact that it's so funny how much relationship business, as you just said, it's so funny how much that gets lost in the coverage of the league because I don't know, maybe it's just the nature of the Internet or what have you. Maybe because they're all in helmets and we're all kind of desensitized or they are dehumanized and we talk about content and value and all this stuff. But it is more than anything else driven by relationships in a way. I don't think the general public probably appreciates. Um, and you know, it's clearly was the driver for Devante. No question. I think that's right. And, um, you know, the Gutenkunst and far and uh, Rogers relationship, obviously about 11 months ago, really blew up big time. A lot of different ways to look at it. First of all, my hypothesis has been that Rogers and the Packers brain trust agreed somewhere. Maybe they never even said it to each other, but they both sides knew maybe the Jordan love pick Jordan love taking over in 2022. It was not without with, with, with the yeah. gravity, with the gravity of the first round pick and everything else aside. I think right. deep down they knew we can't roll with Jordan love and Rogers knew that last year. Yes. True or not? I don't I don't think I don't think there's any question. I think yeah, he maybe not used that as leverage, but he definitely knew that that was very realistic, right? And I'm not, you know, I love Jordan. I think he's got unlimited mm-hmm. upside and I do think it will be interesting to see if and when he plays, who knows where it'll be, maybe in Green Bay, maybe someplace else. But I do think Rodgers had that kind of feather in his cap so to speak of, look, what are you going to do? Roll this guy out who's played like 12 snaps, you know, and great. You gave him all the snaps in the off season. Like, yeah, he's ready to be under center week one. And I don't doubt like if they had had to, and he comes out there, yeah, it would have been rough. And I don't question there've been some real dark moments, but look at some point you keep banging your head against the wall with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. You're going to have to turn that page. And I know now they have basically tripled down and said, okay, come hell or high water. We are winning another Lombardi with Aaron. They better hope they do, because if they don't, they had their opportunity. This was it. That was the chance they had to pull the basically what Denver did, you know, or what Seattle did and get a boatload of picks for their superstar quarterback. That was their moment to do it. And they tripled down on Aaron, which is fine. That's their prerogative and they're running the team and God bless you. But now you have to do it. And I don't think they're ever, ever going to have a situation where things lay out as perfectly as they they did the last two seasons. I don't, I don't see how it's possible. I'm and they you. blew both so of So you agree with me. So so if I'm if I'm reading between the lines or maybe I'm right. reading the line, what you're saying here, this all amounts to you agreeing with me. They should have taken advantage of this window that they had. They should have moved on tough as it would have been because 100%. here's here's here's. Oh, OK. Well, my my totally thought is there's no reading between the lines. Say, I made a video about this. Yes, 100 percent. They should have traded Aaron. No question. Right. Because to me. I think Tom Brady, in so many ways, has has sort of you know warped. 
Yeah, yes. right. He, he's bent the curve and in, in expectation in so many ways. But being 44, now 45 for another year here, the idea that everybody is going to be all 21st century superstar QBs can QBs go that same amount of that way. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Aaron Rodgers, like we say, I mean, he, he was doing chicken fights in Hawaii <laughs> a year ago. Like, is this a guy who is spiritually like I'm avocado ice cream? Right. For me, all the way until we get that. Well, hey, man, he I did don't do, get that he did do that. He did do that cleanse. So who knows? You know, maybe he's flushing <laughs> out of his system, so to speak. I don't know. Don't tell but me like, I'm not allowed to make fun of him for being a cuckoo. You bird do whatever you got to do, that. man. But what is so funny to me is that, like, they're so clearly, like you said, that's what the Brady thing has just screwed everybody up because it's like, oh, look at Brady. Brady's doing it. I think he and the Packers see Brady doing it. It's like, we can do that. But they have the other example staring them in the face in the New Orleans Saints Mm -hmm. who kicked the can and kicked the can and hung on to Drew and hung on to Drew. Even when he couldn't throw it more than 15 yards down the field, we're going to make it happen. And they never did. And now look at them. I mean, this is where the Packers are headed if they don't win it in the next year or two. And if I, they very well could, and God bless them, I will be, I will march down Lombardi Avenue in a I was wrong t shirt. I don't care as long as they bring a Lombardi home, but the chances are long, man. And they had, like I said, they had their best two shots and blew them. I agree. I thought, I, I thought, you know, what we just saw this past January, I thought this has got to be it. This is, this is it. This sets up perfectly. <laughs> For the Green Bay Packers to make a run, I mean the 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 knuckleball 49ers are going to be a handful, a handful, but they should survive that game. And when that block punt went down, and he oh scooped it up, and I thought he, I, I remember thinking, you know, time really slowed down, and I, oh thought, yeah, he better house this ball because they're not going to, because I, I don't know, they're not going to score. Yeah, Jimmy G's going to put him in the end zone. And, that sound, he, that sound, that that fox catches like when the boom, that thud. I know it reverberated through my soul. Like that was like echoes in eternity, like gladiator style. Like my whole heart fell into my feet from that sound. Just, oh, and then everyone like looking up and around like, oh, all the blood drains from you when that happens. What are we doing to ourselves? So we, this is like, no way for us to live. We, we, the we have Super Bowl contenders. I know. Falling That's down the terrible. stairs. Good You're Lord. so right, man. And what, there's nothing worse. I, I talk a lot about the curse of supposed to being the team that's supposed to do it adds yep. extra pressure. And nobody was yep. playing with more pressure with the possible exception of Baker Mayfield last year than Aaron Rodgers that he imposed on himself. Right. Um, so when that happens, I just feel like and you could feel that in the second half of that after that touchdown, uh, it I, I assume for all of his self-confidence and everything else that he's imbued with because of his physical gifts and I chicken or the egg kind of stuff, I can never imagine. I, I always go on and on about that. The 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 guy who everybody expects to do it when he right. does it in the big spot, that's the most uh, – th that makes me swoon more than an underdog story, a Cinderella story. Does. Sure, yeah. Because of the weight on his shoulders. And when you get those extra points, and I don't mean a kick, a swing of the leg. I no. mean, I when you get special teams touchdowns against you at home, it becomes a home field disadvantage. Well, especially and all the oxygen goes out and when everybody's not like it's happening again, isn't it? It's when you've shown again. absolutely nothing on offense for two and a half quarters and then to have that swing and then all the pressure, you know, the entire thing comes back to you all of a sudden. And it's like, 
oh, we haven't done anything for like an hour and a half. Now we've just got to turn it on. Nobody in that building at that point is like, oh, here it comes. I mean, there was a time when I would have thought that, but that not that game, not that that evening. No way. Like, I'm with you, man. That that kind of pressure was like warp factor once that punt got blocked. And do you agree with me? I feel like it, it's there, there's some similarities between Rodgers and Marino. The big difference is that Rodgers beat the Steelers in Super Bowl 45. Right. Um, and Marino lost in, in obviously in his head to head with Montana. And I say all the time about this that, and I, I, I sent it to you on Twitter, as a matter of fact, for your reaction mm-hmm. to it. I contend that. Aaron Rodgers would no longer be on the Packers at this point and maybe wouldn't have been on the team in 2021 if not for that Lombardi. Because I think that if, you know, the the Steelers get the ball, Rashard Mendenhall starts the fourth quarter by fumbling. Clay Matthews puts his his hat on the ball. and and Spill it, pick it, spill it. It is time. Right. They do do that. or, or, Or Roethlisberger gets the ball down six with two minutes to go. If he right. if the ball hits Clay Matthews or whoever else in the head and it goes into Heinz Ward's arms and he runs it into the he end zone for, right. for, for first of all, Roethlisberger is regarded as one of the three best Super Bowl era quarterbacks ever. And people if he has three rings, it would be hard to debate that. But right. where the Packers are concerned and where Favre is concerned, the difference between Marino and, and Rogers careers, Marino kept putting up big numbers, but then he. And then he ripped the Achilles. And I think people forget actually what Marino looked yep. like pre-Achilles. Towards the end. Post. Yeah. So he got yeah. heavy, say, got chunky, looked like he had an adult diaper on for half <laughs> of his career and couldn't really move or anything else. Oh, um, but he, he wow. was more nimble than the pe- people forget. Oh, yeah. He, he had a great po- pocket presence and getting outside the pocket. And yeah, he was great. But the difference is Marino's best shots were like super his third year when they All lost early. in the All orange early. bowl to the Patriots. Yeah, 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 that yeah. was, that was the team that should have gotten over the hump. Yep. And I think 100%. they would have beaten the, I think they would have beaten the bears in super bowl 22. Oh, um, that'd have been a great game. Would have been a great game. Much better well, game. We already than we saw what, well, we saw what happened there. Early. Know, well, we saw in the I, orange. Earlier if you put the them on the fast track match, you get the Apollo Rocky that, rematch, you know? Right. Right. Well, but you put it on the fast track of the Superdome. Doesn't that help the, the so. you know, the Marx brothers? Yeah. Get off. You anyway. know what's so funny? All I ever remember from like towards be- definitely the back half of Marino's career is like every summer, the headlines were all always Dolphins committed to running the ball more. Dolphins committing to the ground game. Dolphins determined to take pressure off Marino. And by like mid-October, he's throwing like 55 passes a game. It's like every year. Well, that's great because that leads me into this. And by the way, people, you know, sacred cows and all that. Right. I'm not saying this to be splashy. My pal, handsome Hank Hodgson, a diehard Dolphins fan. Yes. Marino, wonk and all that. Right. He rightly points out. Don Shula, a legend, but he failed Marino. I mean, that, I mean, it's a protracted. I somewhat agree with that. I somewhat agree with that because, like, yeah, you're saying he's a sacred cow and you don't speak ill ever, blah, blah, blah. But I'm, I've kind of always, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think for the kind of what I'm just talking about here, like, it was always going to, they were always going to help and try to take pressure off Marino. And then they always leaned on him. They always ended up leaning on him because he was brilliant. And I understand it. And that's kind of what the Packers are going through now with Aaron. I get it. But here's the thing. Here's the thing with the now infamous 20, 
20 draft? I'm getting confused in my head. COVID is really screw- screwed, screwed up. My, every, sense, my so timelines. Time I spent my whole chat this morning talking about the 2021 offense when I meant the 2020 offense. So I, I feel you. Dude. Well, then you get me. <laughs> so Gutenkunst, to his credit and to the brain trust's credit, the Jordan Love pick stands out and they probably should have. And I, I bet you if they had a time machine, they would go back and they would draft a receiver to satiate their superstar quarterback. But it eh, obscured. Oh, really? You don't that I, hey. either way, it obscures the AJ Dillon pick, which is which is gangbusters. And they are all set up with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon to really grind you. Do you think that's the story? That's the path that they take this year? Or do we remain? Right. I know that for narrative purposes, we have to obsess over who the rookie receivers are going to be. Oh, my gosh. Yes, of course. Or do you think like DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett happens? Maybe by the I time don't, even that we wrap. I, I would be surprised if something like that. I mean, maybe they do uh, a trade at some point. I, maybe it's DK Metcalf, although I doubt it. I would suspect that Schneider would hold out for a premium pick. And I don't think Goody's in the habit of sending premium picks for a guy he's going to then have to turn around and hand a bunch of money to. He's on the right. Well, that's why I don't think it's, so I don't think that's going to happen, but I, the idea of how do they go about their approach on offense heading, you know, forward now without Devante and without MVS and without EQ, well, you know, the lost a lot of receivers. Um, I don't think it's that big a jump. I do think, yes, they have to rebuild their wide receiver group. No question about that. For the most part, the offense will be pretty similar and or I keep coming back to this idea and it's weird to think about it because one was at the beginning of his career and now Aaron's at the end. But like when Brett Favre lost Sterling Sharp, it forced him to spread the ball around and the offense became 10 times more potent. Hmm. And you look at the games where Devante has missed over the you know three years he was Matt LaFleur. Matt has done a phenomenal, I'm talking phenomenal job of getting guys in spots where they can utilize maybe not receiving talent, maybe not wide receivers, but running backs, tight ends, whoever, skill position players. I keep talking about this offense and the system. It's about five eligibles. doesn't matter what position they play. And I do think those seven games, all of which they won, by the way, that Devontae missed these last three years, they did a phenomenal job of getting Aaron Jones down the field. Hell, A.J. Dillon, Jamal Williams back in the day utilizing their tight ends who knows what they're going to cook up week to week and i think it will be a week to week thing but you know we want to talk brady you know brady won a super bowl with julian edelman and who at wide receiver you know what i mean like it's not like you need i understand like the last two years i think have maybe colored people's perceptions a little bit because the rams have a bunch of talented wide receiver Tampa, obviously, bunch of talent at wide receiver, but that's not the only way you can win. That see you, you see now I mean? we park our cars in the same garage. <laughs> of all the must-have items for Super Bowl contenders or for teams that actually appear in the Super Bowl, a number one clear-cut dominant wide receiver is not a must-have. You can Couldn't go agree. on and on about it, and it's fun, it's and it's it, you know week to week for fantasy purposes and for star power and for right. personality. That's a good place to look, but you don't have to have it. As I always point out, Antonio Brown got one, but he was kind of an extra piece. He wasn't he was an add-on. <laughs> right. He right. isn't the Steeler superstar winning a Super right. Bowl there. Randy Moss didn't get one. Calvin Johnson getting, didn't get one. Larry Fitzgerald didn't get one. In other words, all the best receivers of the 21st century don't have Super Bowl rings. But you're right. It's been a little thrown out of whack by the last couple. And by the way, I always say that about Aaron Rodgers. One of the best things you can say about him is 
until Devontae Adams, who was his best pass catcher. I've said this to James Jones. I've talked with him right. about this. I'm like, no, not to discredit you, but who's the superstar that he ever played with putting up all these gargantuan numbers, much like What's, Tom Brady? It's funny because like Packers fans don't want to admit it, but before Devontae, and I know I love Jordy Nelson as much as the sure. next Packers fan, but his best wide receiver was Greg Jennings. And no mm-hmm. one in the Packers fandom now wants to admit that. But Greg was amazing. He was amazing. But yeah, Devontae is leaps and bounds, uh, head and shoulders above everybody Aaron's played with, you know, and he's certainly put up monster numbers and won MVPs before Devontae showed up. You know what I mean? Uh, well, yeah. Uh, so I, I think they're, they're they're well positioned, of course. And you say best shot. And I agree with you that it did present like, you know, because the whole Jordan love, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but people do forget the history of what led to the Jordan love pick, which was 13 and three and everything else. But you didn't feel like Aaron Rodgers has carried this Packers team to candlestick or whatever they call that joint uh, in San Francisco for the title game. It felt like, huh, we've (sighs) seen the best of Rodgers, haven't we? That's what led to that's what informed the pick of Jordan love the following spring. And then he bounced back real in in a real big way. And I, Right. right. I mean, that's, so people people have a lot, but all that being said, I feel like the NFC is now more barren than it's been in the last couple of years. So that presents as the I mean, best it's opportunity it's, for the Packers. That's the thing. It's certainly kind of a wide open conference in the sense of, I mean, hell, the North. Are you kidding me? I mean, I get anything can happen between now and they kick it off in September and then it's a week to week league and et cetera, et cetera. But come on. Is there any way the Packers shouldn't win the North? I'm not saying they will because, again, it's football on any given Sunday, and I understand things happen. But right now, the way those four teams are situated, where their programs are, so to speak, the Packers should absolutely win the North, which means they're absolutely in the playoffs, which means anything can happen at that point. And it's all about how they're playing, what their health is like, et cetera, as you well know. But yeah, to this idea that I I don't want to make it sound like I don't think they have a shot, right? Because they absolutely do. But man, it's hard to imagine them having a better shot than they just had. I hear you. So how do they remedy the absence of Adams? Do you specifically have any hints or any feeling about what receiver or receivers that they that they grab in the draft upcoming? I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'd just be throwing darts much like most draft analysts are at this point when it comes to the Packers. But I do think I'll be shocked if they leave day two without a couple receivers. Um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people have already kind of pegged them taking a wide receiver in round one for the first time since Javon Walker. But I wouldn't be surprised if they exited Ooh. that first night without a wide receiver. And then Twitter will burn and we'll all have to wait for day two. But I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they say left like that first night with say a defensive lineman and an offensive tackle, you know, and then the Twitter GMs will be all upset. And then say on day two, they get Christian Watson and everybody celebrates, you know, it's like, well, you say the Twitter GMs, you know, who's on Twitter, Aaron Rodgers. Won't he be upset if they don't, if they, at this point, don't use a first round pick on a wide receiver. Doesn't he get upset? And because look at what was Devontae Adams, you know, what was Jordy Nelson? Uh, maybe well, he great thinks I can turn anybody into a star. Yeah, I, I, I guess that th- there's some logic. I mean, and yeah. all those guys took development. Other than Greg, he hit the ground running. But, I mean, it's not like, you know, the first wide receiver, you got to have one. I mean, especially not in Green Bay, especially in this offense. 
I mean, well, with the not... contracts blowing up, though, the second contracts for wide receivers specifically, right. that that now all of a sudden it does feel like what you want you is want the wide receiver that... on his on his rookie yeah. deal. But I do like your philosophy of when you take Adams off the field and he spreads it around a little bit more. It makes me think what Rodgers needs to be now going forward is he needs to be less mean girl in a click with one super cool person and right. instead be more Ferris Bueller, a friend to all the friend to all that is a right? perfect, perfect description of what needs to happen. A hundred percent. Yes. Last thing for you. And then you go, I contend, I see, I, I I've been having a debate and, and call me a Homer. If you want to, people do it all the time, but of course right. you, I, I can tell with you, you have a, you have a, a you're a voice of reason to, to Packers fans who I get sideways be. about things. You really right. do. You, I really do refer because I've been through the grind. I've had some miserable losses in this last decade yeah. as a Steeler fan. And I do yep. turn people legitimately to you. I say, go listen, <laughs> You know who you need to speak to oh, right now? Go man. to his Twitter feed. Listen to right. what his words are. He'll he'll calm you down a little bit. Um, I contend that, but but by the way, what you and I share, I, I'd like to think is that what we want to see happen isn't what we necessarily think will happen, and that's yeah, the difference 100%. between being a homer yep. and somebody who wants uh, who's rooting for something to happen. Yes. But okay, let's pat ourselves on the back and. <laughs> Naturally, I say that maybe the Lakers centers are the single greatest position group for one franchise. Oh, wow. In in American sport, North American sports history. The one a the Pittsburgh Penguins center Iceman. The Penguins have had, you know, they've they've had, you know, four of the top 25 centermen in, in puck history. Could make a case for the Green Bay Packers quarterbacks. Would you like to do it right now? You most certainly could. I mean, I, I I'm not going to get close to being exhaustive on it, but I mean, you can go back um, as far as you want to. Your your name here today is probably one of the most underrated quarterbacks of all time. I agree. I mean, that man, the the stuff that he had to go through just to play the game, and then uh, you know, never ever had a true running game. Never had a defense, but oh man, all he did was sling it all over the yard. You go back and watch that tape. I mean, he's throwing like 25, 30 yard button hooks on a dime, you know, to Kaufman and Lofton and what have you. I mean, huge post routes, like getting absolutely clobbered. Like, I mean, so Dickie's most underrated, but everybody knows the marquee names, right? Bart Starr, you got Brett Favre, you got Aaron Rodgers. You throw Dickie in there, and then you can go back and, you know, and the Magic Man had a, had a little window of, of Magic fun. had a, he had to run he had he had a little bit of magic no doubt about it I mean mm -hmm. the problem is is that he gets hurt and then you never really know what would have happened had he been able to sustain a career but you know but that gave you Brett Favre so it's hard to complain but yeah, he had no, a big they're, head they're right in. it's always seemed like Mikowski's head was bigger than what uh, his body should should be able to support as someone with a big head myself I, I I can't comment I don't know my head I, I always feel like I have a big you head, have so that syndrome I, I feel I, have... I feel like me and magic are kind of symbiotic in that way it's travolta syndrome i call it <laughs> when, like there are certain people right. me ted kennedy ben roethlisberger if we gain 15 pounds all of it goes into our all head. of it goes it just gets head. real big yeah see that's me 100 percent, no question see we We're have a lot in common <laughs> we have uh high-end franchises uh prestige franchises that haven't uh finished in the winter circle much in the last few years but uh i feel your pain but i enjoy your work immensely and that uh, we appreciate the time 
Cheesehead TV is uh, is where to go for all things Packers. A little bit of Bears hate, which I love. I love that you uh, wear it. I love that you wear it. That you're not you got to. You got. The only to. thing I'm worried about for you is, oh boy, Vikings and I and I think the Lions aren't going to be junk this year. I don't no, think they're going to be guard. Going to be junk. I don't think they'll be junk. I think the Packers will probably. You know, there's a good chance they'll split with the Vikings. I mean, they have the last few years. They only beat the Vikings this last time because you know their starting quarterback didn't play. Um, and not saying they couldn't have beat Kirk Cousins in the cold and Lambeau that night, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, Packers fans want to say, oh, the want to treat the Vikings like some stepchild that, you know, that they don't have to worry about. Like, no, they're legit. They're talented. And I know they got a new coach and new system and what have you. But I think they're talented and I think they will be a problem. But the Packers still win the North. Come on. I I think you're I mean, listen, who's going to go against you right now? Although I do think the Bucks are a more prohibitive favorite in their division than the oh, Packers probably are because I think the Vikes are a little scary. I don't the Bears. I don't know what to make of them after uh, they showed so many people. I like the door. I like him, but I'm interested. To see I do, what too. Kind of, what, I mean, who knows? With Getsy calling the, the shots there on offense, maybe they do something similar like Matt's done as far as like spreading the ball around. Getting their what you need to root for. I think the Packers should be rooted. I don't think the Lions are, you know, some contender or anything, but the NFC is slight this year. Um, if you buy the Dan Campbell experience, which I don't fully, um, right. it's cute, but I don't, I don't know what <laughs> they, but they did play well, but they played well. They played well know, there, was, there, there, was, no there were stretches where they look good. The thing you have to root for is that they don't eye the future in Malik Willis. I think they're going to take Malik Willis, but what you want them you want them to do that, in fact. I'm sorry. You want them to do that because if you want the title this year, you don't want to take a loss to the Lions if they beef up the 2022 roster, which they're also going to be in position to do. Yeah, right? No doubt. I agree with that. Because if they draft for the future, then they're kicking the season down They're the kicking. Road. Yep. No doubt. Well, you know, they got hard knocks in town now, so they got to they be on their best behavior. Oh, that's right. Oh, so now they got to take a QB just for the entry to that. All right, listen. I could go on and on with you. It's a lot of I love I love getting in the uh, way back machine, which sadly for you and me that the '80s are now that is way way back. back. <laughs> yeah, it's sad in the '90s. So and that's, oh, I love I, I could talk Lynn Dickey forever. I once said to James Lofton at the Hall of Fame, I was like, "Does it feel like you're a little underregarded among your your peers, your he wide is. receiver peers?" Because you, because is. Because you played too much of your career with Lynn Dickey. And I meant, I I, I was doing it to be a little snarky. Right, and right. he picked up on that. And he was like, hey. Mm-hmm. Lynn was a great quarterback. Those, those guys are all, I'll be Larry McCarron about him on my podcast. And he's like, all those guys, they love Lynn. Like, he's just phenomenal. And I do think he gets forgotten about all the time. Real quick, it's funny you say positions for a franchise and where they stand and blah, blah, blah. It's like wide receivers, no small shakes either for the Packers. I mean, you go all the way back to Don Hudson. Got Don. No, don't, we had such a nice talk. Why do you, you got, have to sully you it with James that? Lofton, you got Sterling Sharp. You got Greg Jennings. You got Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson. That's a pretty damn good group. No, pretty it's that doesn't. Group. Okay, that doesn't. Wait a second. Up. Wait, wait, let me get Don this right. Hudson. Let me get this right. Your objection is to Don Hudson? Really? I, I don't care what Don Hudson did. People like you and me were covering Don Hudson. I mean, I you know what? It, uh, by the way, he was playing his peers. Like you put him in a, on a on a on a team today, he would work his ass off and get into shape and kick everybody's ass. Oh, he would not. He, would, yeah, he was he playing did. with his peers. Exactly right. His peers were a bunch of ham and eggs. Yeah, you know what? Like, let's, you know what? Let's, let's, let, you know what? Let's you know who Jerry Rice played against his night. peers. 
it's You're not the same. Hater. Just it's not hater. the same. It's the same just thing as saying Brett Favre. I mean, Bill Russell's Celtics. I that's another one that is overly lionized in my book. It's like what was a minor league at that point. The oh, only thing. See, at, we'll right, have beers. Well, this is a discussion over beers sometime. Let me. Just, all right. Well, let me just let me just tell you. The, if, as the historians tell us, the, the very curmudgeonly serious-minded old school football guys, which I'm now becoming, unfortunately, you are transitioning into being that right? guy. Yep. Um, what they'll tell you is that the greatest game of all time is the 58 NFL title game, right? Right. Because it it brought the sport to prominence. Not because the game quality. It's was the so narrative good. of the of the it game. It made people it's pay attention. Itself. Yes, 100. percent Right. So then nothing mattered before it by definition. So I, what do I care what Don Hudson nice. did in, in 1932? Because you love the game. My great grandfather. Man, that, that's the Don stuff. Hudson, that's the on. stuff. No, there were like, there were like seven people on planet earth playing football Jerry Rice before the there was a Jerry Rice. Don Hudson was the man. I will Don not hear Hudson. differently. Don Hudson, indeed. <laughs> All right. We'll pick up on that at a later date. In the meantime, awesome. once again, Cheesehead TV and beyond. The great Aaron Nagler, everybody. Thanks for the time, pal. Thanks for having me, man. All right, Spaghetti. Good stuff from Nagler, right? The biggest shock or the biggest takeaway was that uh, Aaron Rodgers knew of that, uh, like Devontae Adams leaving, which to me is yeah. a little bit of a shock because if he knew he was going, why would Rodgers want to come back? Why He could have just said, okay, I'm hanging it up or please trade me to another team or something. You know, I, I that's that, uh, I'm not saying I disagree or think Aaron's lying in this uh, regard, but it's, it's very, very weird. That was a surprise. Uh, I get, but yeah, I mean, what's also interesting is that he agrees with my hypothesis. I guess I'm not, uh, you know, turn it over any new stones here, but it is. So he gets the same vibe that the Packers know that they can't roll with Jordan love. And that informs the desperation to keep Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Anyway, let's do some puck because those playoffs are coming up. Eddie spaghetti, a showdown becomes all the more likely with each passing day, each passing game left on the regular season slate, the Rangers and the Penguins, the Penguins and the Rangers. In the meantime, the Avs, are in Pittsburgh to play the Penguins on Tuesday night. I like the Pens. Call me a call me a homer if you want to. I do like them on the money line. I think the fun bet is to take a minus the goal and a half there. I do think they're hungry after really outplaying the Avs on Saturday to to get a win there. They've had some success against the high-end teams. I think they want to get over the hump and get two points against one of those teams as they track towards the playoffs here. Um, some health issues on both sides there. What do you make, though, of the red-hot Leafs against the red-hot Florida Panthers, Eddie Spaghetti? These two teams have both blown past. The Leafs did it on Monday night, as I told you, on extra points to bet those Leafs down in, um, down in South Florida. Now the Leafs are at the Panthers coming off of a game against the Lightning. The Panthers didn't play on Monday night. How say you lay in the goal and a half for the home team? Well, I mean, Austin Matthews, the hat trick the other night. I mean, he's, uh, I believe, now tied at 54 goals with the most ever in Leafs history. You could argue he's already skyrocketing to be one of the greatest Leafs players of all time. Um, right now, maybe outside of Connor McDavid, you could even make the argument you could take Austin Matthews uh, first overall in a league-wide draft. So I'm going to ride with the Leafs because I'm going back to my earlier prediction uh, way, 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 way back when we did the uh, NHL preview, and I liked the Leafs a lot. I felt pretty good about that early on in the year, obviously. with I had them going. I think I had the Panthers 
if I mem- remember correctly, I had them as the number one seed in the playoffs, but the Leafs going to the Stanley Cup final. And so, uh, I, I mean, that is plausible that that could still happen there. But yes, I do. And by the way, to your point, I think Austin Matthews kind of should win the Hart Trophy mm-hmm. over either one of those Edmonton Oilers guys, given what the Leafs are doing late in the season here. Yeah, and um, like I said, I, I picked them earlier on in the year, and they were play- obviously with, with Campbell playing better. And he was, you know, shaky through a lot of the year, and that's one thing I am concerned about is their goaltending. Um, with Florida, you know, and uh, we've talked about this in text with with Hench, uh, and like the, the, these high flying, high scoring teams, sometimes you run into the playoffs, then they get slowed down because they don't have the greatness, the toughness, um, and then they have to rely on the goaltending and just hope they score, you know, four or five goals a night. Um, that's my long-winded way of saying that I am going to just still ride my leaves here that I picked early on, not to change away from my picks. Uh, I think both teams will be serious contenders in uh, in the Eastern Conference playoffs, but I will I will side with the Leafs uh, for the here and now. My hope is, as far as the high flying versus uh, grind it out and and beat teams up and make them pay for um, for the high end skill. I hope. It really presents as a chance for that to be the entire whale side of the bracket is is for it to be about um, the stars performing at the highest level. I hope it is at least. I know the bees can beat you up pretty good, and um, you, the the canes are capable of playing that way. But it and obviously the Rangers have, can play a little heavier than I expected them to be able to play. But um, I, I hope what breaks through is, is the skill this, this spring. It's good for the sport, not who can, who can grind it out and take away, who can punish the the skaters. I'd rather the skaters win out over the, uh, the Hammond Agers trying to slow them down a little bit, but that's my wish. Your Rangers are playing in Jersey. I'm a little bit surprised um, that, the Rangers are plus 146 to win by a goal and a half, but that's perhaps owed to the fact that they've struggled against the bad teams. Um, so you want to throw out a pick on that one there, Spaghetti. I say, by the way, the Pens minus a goal and a half at plus 225 is a fun play if, uh, if you're looking to put a little something on that one. Go ahead there, Spaghetti, on the blue shirts. Yeah, well, like we were talking before that like I just get so crazy how the Rangers play up to their competition. They play down to it, and they struggle versus the Devils, and they struggle versus the, the Islanders and other uh, bad teams. They need overtime to beat some other teams like Detroit, um, and, you know, they, they the Flyers is another example. But with the, the you know the Penguins matchup, uh, I just think they match up really well versus the Penguins. Uh, you know the game on Thursday, and I and the, the Rangers are back at home. Uh, I will say I've never seen in the media report on this. They've never seen Igor be that upset after a loss, uh, which he just took recently because uh, some reason Varlamov just owns them in, in the building in the Garden. So I think he's going to play a lot better. And you know, the lack of shots Pittsburgh creates versus the Rangers is alarming if I was a Penguins fan. And um, I just think the Rangers right now, especially with Ryan Strom, looks like he's going to be back in the lineup when the Rangers play later today. And uh, it seems like Kako is inching his way back uh, as, as well. So those are all good signs, the Rangers. So I do like them going forward. I just I hope they work out these kinks versus these, uh, these non-playoff teams. But I do like them in the matchup versus Pittsburgh at home. I, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. Jeff Zucker, it sounds like it, it has some more optimistic short-term future than what it looked like when he crumbled on the ice the other day. Um, he sounds like he'll be back. He's 
become a key piece, I guess. Talk about optimism, a guy who doesn't score a ton of goals, but everybody's looking for him to score a ton of goals as a uh, as one of the uh, top six forwards for the Penguins. Devils are not terrible um, of late. They're, five of their last six games have been one-goal games, most of them losses, but they're playing teams close. I don't know, you know looking to do something jazzy, maybe plus 136 on the money line would be a bet. I'm not going to do it, but if you want to roll the dice – that's uh, that's your choice. Um, and there are some bets for you. And like we say, please make them at fanduel.com slash minus three. Again, the word minus the number three. Great thanks to our guy, Aaron Nagler from Cheesehead TV. Check that out as the draft approaches. And then after the fact, to get you right for the season. And uh, we'll be back in what? Two days, Eddie Spaghetti with Kevin Hench to get his thoughts on basketball, on golf, on football, and on the game of life. And until then, for Eddie Spaghetti, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.